Today I'd like to welcome to the PodMD studio Dr. Seren Jayawira. Seren is an Australian trained endocrine and general surgeon with a special interest in benign and malignant diseases of the thyroid and parathyroid glands, in endoscopic transaxillary thyroid surgery, and the workup and management of adrenal disease. Today we'll be discussing the topic of thyroid nodules. We do hope that you enjoy this podcast, but please remember that the advice given here is of a general nature and is not intended as specific advice about any given patient. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the doctor, not of PodMD. If you do have a patient on whom you require specific advice, then please seek that advice from a colleague with appropriate expertise in the area. This podcast is brought to you by Foxo. Foxo is a powerful messaging app built to connect doctors and clinics. Think of it as WhatsApp for health. Foxo is available as a free trial to PodMD listeners. Go to foxo.com slash podmd. Siren, thanks for talking with us today on PodMD. Thanks for having me, Sean. The topic of today's discussion is thyroid nodules. Siren, can you describe for us today what technically are thyroid nodules? Uh, how about we avoid technical terms? Mm-hmm. Thyroid nodules are essentially lumps that form in the thyroid gland. They can be solid or cystic or a mixture of the two, and they can be benign or malignant. Also, they might have a functional or non-functional component to them. That is to say, they might produce an excess amount of thyroid hormone. How would a patient with a thyroid nodule typically present? Nodules are sometimes discovered incidentally on imaging while investigating other conditions, such as on ultrasounds for carotid disease or chest CTs for respiratory issues, or sometimes they're picked up by an observant GP. But nodules may present as a visible or palpable lump or with symptoms due to pressure on structures in the neck. Uh, Structures in the neck that can be compressed by thyroid nodules include the esophagus, the trachea, and the recurrent laryngeal nerve, resulting in dysphagia, dyspnea, or voice changes. In addition, if a nodule is producing an excess amount of thyroid hormone, and we refer to these nodules as toxic nodules, patients may exhibit symptoms of hyperthyroidism. So commonly, these symptoms include heat intolerance, sweating, and palpitations. But patients may also experience sleep disturbance, fatigue, diarrhea, menstrual irregularities, nervousness, and irritability. And what investigations are appropriate for a patient with a thyroid nodule? Uh, I believe that all thyroid nodules uh, should be evaluated with an ultrasound because it's a simple, non-invasive investigation that helps determine the malignant potential of thyroid nodules. More and more radiologists are moving towards the TIRADS classification system of thyroid nodules, uh, which helps determine if a nodule warrants a fine needle aspirate. Basically, this system looks at features that raises suspicions of malignancy, such as irregular margins or presence of calcifications within the nodule. I like to perform an ultrasound in my office so that I can confirm what's on the radiologist's report, as well as to perform a fine needle aspirate if it's necessary. In terms of blood tests, all patients should have thyroid function tests to determine if a nodule might be hyperfunctioning. And if the TSH is suppressed, indicating biochemical hyperthyroidism, I would consider extra investigations looking for an underlying cause. And these might include thyroid antibodies, looking for Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and anti-TSH receptor antibodies, which if elevated may indicate Graves' disease. Siren, tell me about thyroid nuclear scans. I used to hear about those a lot, but I don't do this sort of surgery these days, of course. Yeah, I often see on ultrasound reports that a nodule should be further evaluated with a nuclear scan. 
I don't feel that there's any real value of nuclear scans except in cases where the patient is biochemically hyperthyroid. In these situations, a nuclear scan is really useful to determine if the hyperthyroidism is due to a solitary toxic nodule or a more diffuse thyroid condition such as Graves' disease or a toxic multinodular goiter. You mentioned earlier that these nodules can be an incidental finding and then the doctor who's ordered the initial scan orders a dedicated thyroid ultrasound. If that's reassuring, can that process stop there? Or I suppose I'm really asking, uh, when should a general practitioner particularly be sending a patient on to you uh, for a further opinion? Well, the vast majority of thyroid nodules are benign and asymptomatic and don't require surgical intervention. But if a GP has any concerns about a thyroid nodule, particularly if it's causing pressure symptoms or if there's a concern regarding its malignant potential, or if it's a toxic nodule, then further evaluation by a specialist is warranted. And are there any clinical features that would be particularly worrying? I get concerned when I see a patient who presents with a hard nodule, or if they have a change in their voice, or if there's a short history of symptoms or a rapid progression of symptoms. To me, these warning signs may indicate a higher chance of malignancy. Siren, when a general practitioner is looking to refer a patient on for a further opinion, what should that doctor be looking for in terms of the specialist that they'll be sending the patient to? There's a confusing array of specialists who deal with problems of the thyroid gland. And these range from uh, general physicians, endocrinologists, general surgeons, ENT surgeons, breast surgeons who do thyroid surgery as well. And I think a good way of looking at it is to divide thyroid problems into structural versus functional problems. And if it's a, if it's a functional problem, then certainly endocrinologists are probably the first port of call. And structural problems, so thyroid nodules, multinodular goiters, thyroid cancer, then they're you know, primarily dealt with by surgeons. Thyroid nodules, however, can have both structural and functional components. And pretty much all of the aforementioned specialists are, are able to appropriately work up thyroid nodules. That being said, we're in a new era of specialist endocrine surgeons who have undertaken often several years of further specialist training focusing on just thyroid, parathyroid and adrenal problems. And a, a study published in the Journal of Surgery last year shows clearly superior outcomes when the surgeon is performing at least 40 thyroid procedures per year. There's many endocrine surgery units around Melbourne consisting of surgeons who work closely with endocrinologists and perform 150 to 200 procedures a year. So I would encourage GPs to seek up appropriately trained high-volume surgeons. Siren, we will be doing a specific podcast about thyroid surgery, but just for completeness with this podcast, can you give us an outline of which patients are going to require surgery? So a nodule that is confirmed to be cancerous on fine needle aspirate a nodule that is indeterminate or suspicious of cancer, either on the thyroid ultrasound or on fine needle aspirate, benign nodules that continue to grow over a period of time, a large nodule or a goiter that causing compression symptoms such as dysphagia, dyspnea, voice changes, a nodule or goiter that is descending into the chest cavity or a retrosternal goiter, or a toxic nodule, a nodule producing an excess amount of thyroid hormone. They're all examples of nodules that would be appropriate for surgical intervention. And have there been any recent developments in the surgical treatment of thyroid disease? Uh, there have been some advances in uh, thyroid surgery. 
So advances in technology means that thyroid surgery is safer and with lower complication rates than ever before. Further to this, if we look at trends internationally, there's been a gradual increase in the uptake of remote access thyroid surgery, which is moving scars away from the neck to less conspicuous places. And I'm really keen to talk about the transoral endoscopic thyroidectomy program we have at Monash, but maybe that's a topic for another podcast. And what is the role of the general practitioner in this process of workup and treatment? Well, the GPs are involved in every step of management of thyroid nodules. Um, I've had many patients who have been diagnosed by an observant GP. So uh, right at the outset, GPs are often involved in the detection of nodules in the first place. They're involved in the preoperative workup, including arranging bloods and ultrasounds. And postoperatively, depending on the operation, um, the link between the GP and the surgeon is vital for the combined management of the patient, in particular with regards to management of thyroxine dosing, calcium supplementation, and ongoing surveillance of contralateral lobes. Siren, thank you so much for your podcast today on thyroid nodules. Before we finish, could you summarize with your three key take-home messages on thyroid nodules? The three key points Thyroid nodules are incredibly common and the vast majority do not require any intervention at all. Number two, uh, baseline workup involves history, examination, an ultrasound and thyroid function tests, as well as I always screen for parathyroid disease as well. So that would involve calcium, parathyroid hormone and vitamin D levels. And number three is to refer to your preferred thyroid surgeon any nodule that is causing pressure symptoms, symptoms of thyroid dysfunction, or if there are any concerns about malignant potential. Thanks again for coming into the PodMD studio and for your podcast on thyroid nodules. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great.